Hamzu. Welcome to another exciting episode of Fanatsu, the official podcast for independent Wahan. And uh, we have a very interesting, exciting episode today, as usual. Um, we're going to have a special guest who's going to be sharing with us, uh, sharing a petition with us in just a couple minutes. But before we get started, I wanted to remind everyone that Fanatsu is made possible by Hamzu Todos. Hamzu Todos muna possibly esti kinalamtin mami. All of you out there are making this uh, program, this broadcast, sort of the independent and indigenous media that uh, Fanatsu represents. All of you are making it possible. And you make it possible by sharing Fanatsu, by liking it, by watching it. And then a, a, few, select, a, a few select group, although it is growing every day, uh, support us by signing up as patrons through Patreon. And so we encourage all of you who like the content that Fanatsu is putting out there, who find it a, a great source of information about what's going on in the Marianas, in the Pacific, um, who, who, who enjoy learning about decolonization, Chamorro rights, Chamorro history, culture, all those things, please consider supporting us by signing up as a patron. There's three tiers that you can sign up for, the Hatsa tier, um, the Hugwa tier, and the Tulu tier. And by signing up for these different tiers, you get access to things such as the radical history sort of podcast, or I, I sometimes call it the secret Guam history podcast. So if you ever want to sort of learn about the, learn the stuff that you won't learn in any Guam history textbook, and you probably won't learn in a Guam history class, then consider signing up as a Hugwa member, a Hugwa patron, and then you can get access to those every week. For those, the few, the proud, the elite, the Tulu members, you get the radical readings. And every week um, I share a different text uh, from a book, from an article, a speech, something which can help us understand sort of the struggle for Chamorro self-determination, um, the struggle for Chamorro rights and decolonization. All right. And so we are back now in Magofuna Matua Winimogi, Senor Pablo, Sined Pablo. And so he is here to talk to us about a petition that is circulating um, and a planned protest. That is yeah. coming up in the next few weeks, and so eh, si dos masi talut sa dunay, nagagawini. And so um, yeah, sangani tautan ay protestinay na import importante na isulto. Kila niyong the mga jabi taytay petition, a petition to the United States Army Corps of Engineers, the Joint Guam Program Office, the United States Navy. We, the undersigned, oppose the approval by the United States Army Corps of Engineers for the United States Navy's application for a permit to establish a danger zone adjacent to the Finnegansen small arms in the Pacific Ocean at the following four points. So it has the, the coordinates, uh, even indicating the high tide and, and uh, low tide points. Until such time, one, the United States Navy produces a draft environmental uh, statement, a EIS, specific to their request to establish the danger zone. Two, not less than 90 days after the publication of the EIS conducts a public hearing to allow for the public comments and all stakeholders, interested parties. Three, all comments, evaluations, and assessments have been received addressed to the satisfaction of the interested parties. Or the United States Navy produces a final EIS environmental impact statement. And fifth, 
all comments, evaluations, and assessments have been received, addressed to the satisfaction of all the interested parties. So this is how it looks. So if you are able to acquire one of these from maybe anyone right now that are the stakeholders and including myself and, and independent Guahan and other people, uh, traditional fishermen, boulders, uh, you know, recreational, I'm already circulating this. We need to use this to put them, uh, the, the Navy, accountable. They cannot just uh, do as they wish and they please without getting proper consent from the indigenous Chamorros and the community, the people here in Guan. Um, you know, if you guys feel you're not affected, uh, just try to recall the last time you got a, a, a zuzu, a coconut crab, the last time you had batagui, um, which is the, the mahi, or baktu, which is the marlin, and the wahu, or even reef fish that could have been caught there by one of your neighbors, your friends, or your family. Um, think of that because now you may be greatly impacted because they might not be able to share and provide like the consistency or the way they have done for many of us that you know uh, practice uh, our fishing methods up there and our fishing practices in the Finnegaputu area. You know, we we need them to stay within footprint. If they really wanted a fine range, uh, small arms, then why don't they just go to the, the private ones and contract with them <laughs> or do it over Toragi? I don't want to say that, but you know, if, if, if you guys are gonna already have a firing range up there for the Marines and you don't want to share them, do somewhere over there in Anderson, not in the Finnegans, and you guys already got enough. That's already, I'm not even going to say 25% of our land mass. I'm going to say 30% already at this point. Round it off. So um, I hope uh, you guys can call an inquiry with Independent Guahan. And uh, if you know anyone that does have this petition, please participate. Uh, it'll be, you know, really a blessing if we had 5,000 signatures or even 10,000. And, you know, let's go uh, make the the Navy, the military accountable, and let's go show them that, you know, strength in numbers and power to the people, not power to the federal government, but power to the people. Mm. And so is there still a demonstration? Yes, the... oh yes, sorry. Um, February 2nd, um, I've invited some leaders. I choose to uh, not say anything until as we get closer, I'm gonna be interviewed by the KUM, the local media. Uh, and I will reveal who these leaders are. And I hope they can convince the rest of their colleagues and our administration, especially. Nali itauto za un nahungi zu ofa i i filomu za un sangani zu ni parun sogi para i i rencha za ni deretsun i tsamor kufabotfan amzu ni man maga sa lokwe i senador sa panuzu kufabot za panazuda lokwe nuesti za tugi i non i non mizu geni za kumbida i familamu za ni manatungo musia za 
preciso este zangen para un mimuje militar y federal ni para un seguro na na tu macho yo fa malogunia debido man mamaise ni tautautano zani tautau gohan ni you know sia para desea para dinisirico conveni para para ta soktasia lamun para ofa malogunia so if the leaders can come out and especially lu Malaga or our governor and all the senators come on February second, nine a.m. and all the fishing community and just concerned citizens and people that wanna be part of this in making the military accountable. This is one way to do this. We need signatures and and February second, and there will be another protest on February ninth. We're still determining a time. And and um, if it's gonna be safe on that day, because it has the water conditions have to be right. But we are gonna do the February second, and I hope all of you guys that are here will be able to come and support this cause. So don't forget, sign the petition. We'll put the petition up on Independent Guahan on the on the Facebook, and also we'll post updates about the demonstration. And so we'll take it Okay, so I want to introduce a, a new a new host that we have here today, and so uh, you may be familiar with him for his Pulan Speaks videos, which are which uh, are making their way around social media. They've got some helpful tips on speaking tomorrow, um, other other issues involving Guam, Marianas, Micronesia, and so Edward Leon Guerrero uh, is here today as a guest host, and so. Okay, yeah, so uh, my name is Edward Leon Guerrero and I'm a Micronesian uh, Studies uh, graduate student. And I should be finished uh, with my thesis by this semester, hopefully, you know, if Chai Fee wills it. And today we are going to be discussing an incredibly important event that is happening in the United States, particularly in Washington, D.C. And I'm not sure if y'all heard of it, but it has to deal with the Indigenous March, one of the first that has happened in D.C. that involved thousands of Indigenous people. And we're going to discuss this and we're going to connect this very issue with the Finnegadzan and with the the beach. What was the beach name called again? The Haputa? Haputa. Yeah, Haputa. That, that beach. So, so just so I will give uh, the background information on this, I'm going to contextualize it really quickly. So what happened was, is that during this uh, indigenous march, right next to it, there happened to be a pro-life rally, a anti-abortion rally. And what happened was something that was pretty shocking. Some people of this pro-life rally started taunting the indigenous marchers. We don't know what circumstances led up to this, but for some reason they just started taunting them. And so what happened was this one brave, and I'm going to emphasize this, a brave indigenous Native American elder, his name is Philip, he actually went up to them and he told them, or actually he didn't tell them, but he started chanting, he started playing his drum, 
and he did this in order to redirect all the taunting from not the group itself but to him so they wouldn't so the group would be able to keep on moving on and during this the some of the pro-life members who were high school students wearing MAGA hats or the Trump Make America Great hats, you know, were redirecting their taunting to him. So we started seeing that this man, you know, as you see in the video, that he was being taunted by these men, that by these high schoolers, my new high schoolers, and that they were just, this particularly one high schooler was looking at him very how would you say condescendingly very like arrogant you have to see the video itself the teenager wearing we the manga hat was oh, being very uh, disrespectful to this brave indigenous person and mind you yes he's just a teenager you know and mind you also that yes you know the 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 school and the diocese the Catholic Diocese, they, they did condemn the actions of what they did. However, what we need to acknowledge is that while yes, what he did and you know and what those other people did was pretty was pretty uh, disrespectful. What we got to acknowledge as one uh, person said, a senator, that it's we gotta look at the adults that allow this to happen. We gotta look at the adults that are responsible for this and i believe that we get here could shed some insight upon the alt-right and what's going on here and how that might have led up to mm. many of these teenagers to act out in such a way mm. yes so first first of all how was the video dispenser we're having some we're we're trying out a bunch of new technical things today and so <clears throat> we may be no that we're okay we're not all right, we're tempting the Minotaur. Um, and so, so going to that point, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can, we can touch on this. I think um, from my perspective, though, uh, one of the things that, you know, it was, it was really nice this morning to see so many people upset about it. It was really nice this morning to see, like, just about when I woke up and I went on Facebook, like it was like everybody was taking turns sharing the video and saying this is horrible, 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 right? And so that was good. I, you know, that was nice. It felt good because it's a, it's an appalling sort of thing. But if you know sort of the history of the United States, then, you know, you you should expect something like this. The United States is a country which is built on a number of different sort of fundamental forms of violence. You could argue that one of them is the displacement of indigenous people, the disrespecting of indigenous people, their lands and their rights, that the United States comes into being because of that. And you could argue the same thing in terms of women. You could argue the same thing in terms of African-Americans and slaves. But so when we see something like this, it's a reminder that the United States is a settler nation. And so this is just an emergence of something which is deeply embedded in the United States. And one of the ways that we can see this ourselves is in the way the United States and the military treats the Chamorro people and their interests and their land. So, for example, if we were thinking locally about this, right, 
if we were thinking locally, would we would we think that the parallel would be like um, a military person yelling at Chamorros as they're demonstrating outside of uh, Nick towns or one of the bases? So some some of us who were at the Magua demonstration a couple months ago, uh, we experienced that people yelling. I'm trying to remember what some people yelled. Uh, oh, so I think somebody yelled, "If you're gonna, you'll you'll blow all the money that we give you anyways," or something like that. And and there was a bunch of of angry people. Some of them white from the state. Some of them were locals. But but you would think is is that the same sort of thing that somebody standing in front of a Chamorro person and telling them this is not your land, this is our land, we can do whatever we want with? Is that the parallel? Well, I don't know. For me, it's deeper than that the disrespect for the people who were there before, the disrespect who, who, of those who have, who have occupied the land, who have lived in the land, have been connected to the land for thousands of years, thousands of years, it goes further back in history and it goes deeper in the present too. Mm -hmm. And so in the same way in which you can have some, some idiotic MAGA kids yelling at a Native American person, you can trace the same, you can trace that verbal violence to sort of the same violence that happens when the military decides they want to take out these these loosongs and like uproot and bulldoze this sacred site or shut off access to this area because they got to fire their guns mm. and so it is the same type of disrespect and so i hope that for people my hope is that people who are frustrated at this it's deeper than simply decorum right it's deeper than simply somebody yelling at somebody else it's deeper than it's deeper than that and um and so for for those of you that are incest enraged you have to you have to keep your sort of your your righteous anger your righteous anger burning a little bit beyond the the current viral moment because even after sort of most people have forgotten about this the settler state, the violent settler state that is the United States will continue to persist. And it'll continue to, to mess with the lives of indigenous people. And it's gonna continue to try to take lands on Guam and cut off access to people, to sacred sites, continue to bulldoze Lusong and Ladystones as it's always done. And so I hope that, that people are making that connection. So, so you wouldn't necessarily see this as a few bad apples, you know, or a few teenagers or you know in the case of the parallel to guam you know a few of the military people who are ignorant and that they're just lashing out because you know it's an inconvenience to them you know you could that phrase a few bad apples you could you could think about that it, it might be appropriate if uh if the apples come from like the farm where the the witch got her poisonous apple for snow white so <laughs> it's a it's a farm where they grow toxic poisonous ancient orange infused apples apples that sort of have been mutated because of nuclear testing in the marshall islands um all sorts of stuff like that so i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i mean you can always talk about sort of um you can always talk about the individual behavior of somebody but though that's an interesting sort of thing that groups do right if somebody does something which is inappropriate appalling bad suddenly they're an individual but then in other terms they're they're representative so you always got to kind of think about that. But so what I find interesting, though, is you mentioned that they were part of a pro-life anti-choice rally, right? And so it does make you wonder, is being 
anti-choice pro-life, does that mean you're not for the lives of Native Americans? <gasps> oh, heavens. <laughs> oh, heavens. Go for my pigweeny. <laughs> but, so, um, but so you do have to think about that, right? Because, and we have to think about that for those of us here on Guam, right? Because um, if, you, if, you, uh, if you tuned into the teaching that Independent Guahan did on cockfighting, there was a lot of interesting discussion in that, in that meeting. And it was, it was fascinating because some of the cockfighters would consider themselves to be conservative Americans. Even if they're, if, even if they're brown skinned, even if sort of the, they wouldn't be on, on the top of Steve Bannon's lists of ideal supporters for the MAGA movement, right? Um, and so it was interesting when they were articulating their ideas about resistance and what, should, what to do, because some of them who were conservative felt that Donald Trump would be on their side. And they felt that the MAGA supporters, the MAGA people, the red hat, not, not brown shirts of Mussolini, the red hats of Trump, that they would be the ones who would step in and say, we got to protect the little people of Guam. Trump protects the little people. And it's, and it's interesting, right? Because sometimes that, that's part of our colonization, where we look to the United States and we think that our politics line up clearly with theirs, right? So if you're conservative on Guam, then you're conservative in the States. So you listen to Fox News, just like people in the States listen to Fox News. But that's, that actually reproduces our political relationship to the United States. So when, when Donald Trump is talking about the US, he's talking about this great country, this great nation, is he talking about Guam? When people are saluting the flag, when people are talking about defending America, are they talking about Guam? <clears throat> and so the same thing goes for somebody, and, and many of you out there may have family members who, who like, who sort of have an IV drip connecting them to Fox News, and that's sort of their source of life, right? Um, so, you know, we, we all do. But the question, though, is do they understand, though, that in, in many moments, Fox News would turn on them, like in a heartbeat? And that, and that because the politics may align in one moment, but then in the next moment, you are other. You are distant, colonial, brown, other. And so you may feel Sean Hannity gets me. He speaks to my heart. He's like this weird, weird-faced hamburger face, like Coruscant. <laughs> like he's blocking my arteries, man, with his, with his bullshit. Do you think Sean Hannity cares about sort of the plight of brown people in the, in the Pacific? Probably not. And so that's why this is an important moment to think about that because people on Guam, so people on Guam may feel like if you're, if you're anti-choice, you're pro-life here, right? So then you would align with those in the States. Many of the people who feel that in the States though are also part of movements where they may dabble in white supremacy, white nationalism. They may feel that sort of that their religiosity makes them superior to people of different ethnicities. And so it's important that we think about that in these politics. Mm. You know, I can already hear uh, some people arguing this, that yes, they acknowledge that, for example, the indigenous people, you know, in the United States, their land was taken. They acknowledge that, you know, just like how many people, they wouldn't acknowledge that, yes, Guam is, you know, the political status between Guam and the United States is pretty unequal. And that's, 
you know, it's it's a tragedy, but they always say, but look at, but they always say that this happens to every other group of people. People have always been taking land ever since, you know, who knows when, when the first empires rise, you know, ever since like 2000 BC with, you know, the, the Sargon, Akkad, those empires and so on. This has always happened from the Romans to, you know, the Greeks, to the Ottoman Turks and to every other people group. And however, they would then say that the thing that makes, you know, the United States, I, I would guess, benevolent is that they allow these indigenous groups such as this march to occur. They give them, you know, they 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 allow, they give Guam, you know, they say they give them federal dollars just like that. They allow them to enjoy in part of the, you know, the spoils. So what would you say to those people? Well... First of all, you have to kind of pick what is your what is your representation of the United States? Is your representation of the United States that it is a democracy where people are equal, where there's meritocracy, where sort of everybody's got a good chance and it's about how hard you work, it's about rights? Or is it a, a government sort of where there's a white core to the country, which sort of will always get to be favored and privileged over others? And we'll get to look down on those who have come later and look down on those and basically act like, you know, you have to, you, you know, that we give you things, right? See, that's one of those things is that at the core of a lot of white nationalist talk in the United States is, is this idea, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a twisted way of trying to deal with the violence of the past, right? So you'll hear sometimes, so for example, slavery, People will deal with it, deal with it either by saying that they deserve it because they're inferior. They will say that it wasn't as bad as people make it out to me, or they will say that it was actually good for them because then they got to be, be Americans. All of those things, though, are built around this idea of, of keeping sort of a, a white part of the United States elevated above everybody else and sort of making them superior and making them the ones that give out the rights, that decide that. So, for example, so in the current Trump framework, for example, Latinos, you brown folk, you're not ready. You know, we got to put a wall to protect you from them. But maybe in other ways, the white part has accepted Asians in certain ways, right? So it's a picking and choosing which certain types of Asian American groups are better than others, fit better into the hierarchy of races. And so I would argue you have to pick because if it is going to be this country of sort of this benevolent hierarchy of hazing, sort of where there's always like this privileging of this violent whiteness, white privilege, then that's a problem. Because then that's not what everybody's, that's not a good thing to promote, right? And so I wonder, it would be interesting if we changed the curriculum on Guam <laughs> to reflect that, where the curriculum was, America is not the land of the free and the home of the brave. America is sort of the land of the land of oppressing minorities until they're until they're damn ready to sort of join polite society. Right. Because what you're describing, you're familiar with the insular cases. Yes. That was the argument from the insular cases, is that Anglo-Saxon principles of government, civilized culture. Is, is, is something that these new people that are coming in through these colonies that they cannot understand because they're too primitive. 
And so that the United States has to be able to treat them in violation of its own principles in order to protect itself from them. Right. We see the same things nowadays. I mean, that's, that's Donald Trump's rhetoric on, on sort of refugees on the border. That's Donald Trump's rhetoric sort of about, um, about all these people, especially along the border, is that sort of trying to argue that the United States is in such a crisis and these people are so dangerous. There's another caravan out there, I heard. And, and it's funny how the caravan is always like a thousand miles away, but it's always right about to cross the border. Oh my goodness. It's like, like on Guam, we have those big flying cockroaches for Donald Trump. You have the migrant caravan. Just the big flying cockroach in the other room. Oh no. That, those, sorry, my kids found like, there was a big cockroach <laughs> in the other room and all morning, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> Tell me when it's finally here. <laughs> but um, but but so think about that though, because um, yeah, because I don't think uh, I don't think there would be as much feeling of sort of patriotism from from people in the United States if the United States was uh, used that as their slogan, right. that as sort of their public relations narrative. Then, then what would you say to, you know, for like indigenous people or Latinos or blacks that have assimilated, you know, that have adopted, that agree with Trump, just like how we have many Chamorros here who would agree with those military people who are saying, oh, why are you, you know, why are you protesting? Look at what we give. So are they less Chamorro or are they just... Do they have a false consciousness mm. in plan? What, what do you say to those people then? No, and so different scholars have different ways. You mentioned false consciousness, right. double consciousness, um, sort of ethnic um, overcompensation is one thing that a scholar, that I've heard from a scholar. <laughs> so it depends. For me, you know, I feel that, that all Chamorros aren't required to to believe the same things. Mm -hmm. That all Chamorros don't have to make their Belen the same way. And in mm -hmm. fact, all Chamorros don't have to have a Belen. Good point. All Chamorros don't have to like Bunyelos Aga. Some can like Bunyelos Dogo. Some can like Bunyelos Americano. <laughs> and so there's, there's room for everything. But for me though, I think that, you know, life is about, for everybody is about a search for truth. Right. Right? And so, we are always undergoing sort of a process of self-discovery and change, right? And part of that is, is learning more about yourself and the world and others around you so that you, can, so that you can make the world a better place, so that you can improve your life, help others, improve the lives of others. And so I always feel that people, people should, should be pursuing those types of truths. And so if something feels comfortable in a certain way, right? So like um, people will oftentimes stay with it and not want to challenge it because it fits into their identity, but it may be hurting them in the long run, right? And it, we, all, we all struggle in different ways with stuff like that, right? But right. if you think about it like this, if you were a Chamorro who was in the military and everybody sort of and it seems like in the military culture you're more conservative and you have these ideals then you might feel like my place in the United States is dictated by these experiences. So therefore, but it may work against you. Like it may work against your own interests. It may mean sort of that you cut out parts of yourself 
that you deny some of your own rights. Um, and so I always think it's important to have those conversations with people because it doesn't make sense, like um, it doesn't make sense for people on Guam to feel passionately about Donald Trump or Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton mm. because you didn't get to vote for them. Right. You didn't get to vote against them, right? And so <clears throat> even if you could sort of look to them in different ways as being a, a paragon of this is exciting, this is cool, I like this person, I like the fact that Trump wears weirdly long red ties, I like that Obama's super cool and he body surfs and stuff like that. But politically, don't look to them as your leaders because democracy is about your participation. You didn't participate in that. You didn't participate in that. And so you shouldn't sort of, so in a way you're kind of deceiving yourself. Correct. And so I always think that we should try to have conversations with people so that our eyes can be wider, mm. opened wider, so that we can see more of the world around us, um, so that you can see that something which you may hold dear to yourself, it may actually be hurting you, it may be hurting your place in the world, it may be hurting people around you. And so that's, that's one of the things that I feel sort of about those who feel more conservative, who have more conservative... Right. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with conservatism, but it is weird if it is more of a Fox News sort of white Anglo-centric conservatism, mm. because it may actually be against you. Like it may not include you in it. So you right. may be looking at all these people and think I'm part of you, I'm part of you, but they would turn on you very quickly, probably, unless, especially if you stopped being sort of a good, a good, you know, a good native, a good native boy or girl. Right. That's a good point. And, you know, I, let, let's just be fair for, let's just be fair to Trump for one moment. Okay. <laughs> just for one moment. Cause you know, you, you, you mentioned this, you, you talked about the caravan and you know, you, you, you know, there, there's this idea that the reason why Trump is, you know, saying build the wall, build the wall is due to racism. However, Trump supporters at least those who are educated Trump supporters would use the argument that it's not necessarily due to racism, but it's necessarily due to uh, security because we're trying to keep out illegal immigrants. Trump is not against immigration, but he's against illegal immigration. Technically. So, so is that just the argument in disguise or is... Yeah, euphemism I mean, or so that that's that's one of the things if you're arguing with somebody right or talking about these sorts of things it's interesting how people respond to facts right right because for example the u.s government is on record saying that most illegal immigration does not come from crossing the border in the mm. south that the majority of it comes from visa overseas fact, the United States government has also declared, this is Trump's own government, that the majority of illegal narcotics do not come in across the border. They come in through legal ports of entry where they're smuggled in. So, and that's the thing, is that if you wanted to make an, an argument which was, which was rational and reasonable, like that this wall should be put up to protect the United States, then you have to be able to deal with those types of facts which go clearly against it. And so, um, so that's why, you know, Trump, Trump is speaking to sort of a, a dying, 
like a dying spirit in the United States, which is sort of this this white privilege. He speaks for for so many people who you know who feel like they are losing this privilege, right? So, and you can see it in the in the way he 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 criticizes politically correct speech, right? And part of it is is just this idea where people feel like you know what I didn't. I didn't used to have to care about what other people thought. Mm. Like, so if I called a gay person this, I didn't have to deal with any fallback or fallout. Or yeah. if, I, if I called a black person this. But now it's this interesting thing where if you, if you call a, a black person who's, who's outside a building on the cops, they're going to record it and it's going to go viral and you're maybe going to lose your job. And so part of Trump's power comes from these people who don't want to accept the fact that if the United States is this diverse country where everybody and where everybody sort of is supposed to have a have a say or everyone gets a chance, then you got to let go of this idea that there's this privileged whiteness. You got to accept that. Let it brown. Let it change. Let it mix, you know, and sort of give up, give up all those ideas. But some people don't want to give them up. And some politicians know that they can get certain people to vote for them if they lie to them. And so Trump's magical, fantastical wall is one of those things. Everyone, you know, even it's even come out now that Trump himself and his campaign knew that the wall was was BS. It wasn't going to be concrete or steel. It was full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And so they knew it, but they only used it because... It was a way for them to help Trump remember to talk about immigration and demonize immigrants. So wall, it's easy for him to remember. And he likes to talk about the wall because he says, I'm a big builder. Like he's a baby. I'm a big builder. I like to build. I'm going to build a build a big wall. I'm going to build a huge, a fantastic, big, beautiful wall. It's going to be see-through. It's going to be 30 feet high. It's going to be beautiful on the American side. And we're going to make Mexico pay for it. Yeah, so... But that's the thing is, right. so a lot of people supported Trump because they don't like the way America is changing, mm-hmm. but they don't want to admit that part of what they don't want to change, it may be good if it changes. It may be good if it goes. You know, that America is better diverse. America is better if it keeps bringing in sort of immigrants from around the world. Like that America, America sort of getting rid of or sort of in attempting to to deal in some ways with its violent sort of racist past is a better america but for those people they don't want to have that conversation they don't want to think about those sorts of things and so um but yeah i know that dispenser i know that we are running out of time we're coming up onto the end here and so do we have any questions yes we do. i'm sure i'm sure we do have some questions we have one question Yes. You guys mentioned how Trump's strength comes from a dying spirit in America, but the people in the protests were high school students. What would you say about the, this base of Trump's supporters? Ah, uh, well, let, let me just say something real quick, then he'll give the 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 big one. Uh, you know, the yes, they're, they're high school st- uh, students, and that's why I mentioned that we shouldn't necessarily put the 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 agency, the blame on them, but rather on the adults, as one uh, senator said, because of course, you know, young people, they're very impressionable to ideas. And, you know, they, you know, sometimes they, they make mistakes too, but, but the main thing is that we shouldn't necessarily put the blame on them, but it's the responsibility of 
the parents, the influencers, the politicians, just like how Trump's rhetoric, you know, this rhetoric that for many people is very full of hatred, it's very divisive, you know, it may be that this encourages that type of behavior, it encourages that type of rhetoric. So these are the people that we need to hold accountable. And would you like to add anything on to that? So it, it is interesting because they are they are young, but overall Trump support does come from older uh, people in the United States, the Fox News crowd, the crowd that sort of uh, studies show tend to believe things on the internet more frequently, tend to tend to share things like your like prayer chains and so I'm in I'm in a couple WhatsApp chats which are in just entirely older Chamorro people and I hope God has room for all of the prayer change. <laughs> and I hope there's still sort of, uh, I hope there's still pixels left on the internet from all the Santa Maria Camelin sort of gifs or gifs, depending on sort of what you prefer. Um, but it is, so going to Trump and all of this, it is an important moment in the United States and around the world. So democracy, democracies are supposed to be about sort of what, people deliberate about and what they decide. And the United States as a democracy is browning. It's becoming more liberal and progressive, but there are those who are digging in because they don't want to lose things. They don't want to give things up. And so Trump is an important moment. And we see other, mo other countries experiencing similar things around the world where they're going right, where they're turning right because young people sort of, um, because young people sort of aren't, getting everything the neoliberal sort of world, the late capitalist world is supposed to promise them. And so they're going, they're being attracted to these sort of tyrannical sort of authoritarian powers who can promise them the moon, the stars, and the wall that Mexico will pay for. But in the United States, though, Donald Trump is still incredibly unpopular. Incredibly unpopular. And so it is a, it's an important, it's important not to sort of, to, to, to let this moment go. Like Trump represents sort of an attempt to revive some of the worst parts about the United States. And so oh, we have another question. Yes, okay. another question from Romeo Carlos. He says, how do you talk to people who deny facts in favor of false arguments? Oh, wow. That's if, if I if I knew the answer to that, I'd be a, a billionaire, like yeah, a Trump billionaire. If I knew that answer, I wouldn't be here right now. I would. <laughs> what? Well let, well, let me just uh, quickly just add on something to the, the last question, then I'll let uh, Simaget take this question on. It's that uh, um, the thing about with, uh, I believe, Nathan Phillip, the indigenous man who went in to redirect, you know, what, what he actually said was he wished that he's, he said that he wishes that those teenagers that, you know, did this, that were taunting, that they would learn something valuable from this that they will respect and so on. So that, that's just what I would like to add on to this. But going back to this, this new question, which is how do you talk to people who deny facts, you know, and so on? You know, let, 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 let's uh, see, Miguel, would you like to oh, man, take don't, something on that, please? There's no good easy answer for that, unfortunately. Um, so I find that at least within Guam, within the United States, it's a very different thing. So like I, but in, in Guam, for example, what I find is that the easiest way to, to talk to people is to, is to not speak to them directly about what you want 
to talk to them about, but instead talk about something over here to the to the side of the issue, which which by engaging on that, if they follow me there, will put will put me on more favorable ground. So for example, um, so for example, um, you talk about an issue where if somebody doesn't want to let go of the idea or somebody doesn't want to admit that Guam is a colony, for example. So then if I just say Guam is a colony, Guam is a colony, it, people are inclined to keep re-entrenching because people don't, like, people don't like to be talked down to. People don't like to be told what to think, right? And so, but if you can find an issue sort of off to the left or the right of it, and if you can follow, and if you can kind of talk to them over there, it, it'll, it'll increase their chances sort of that they can come closer to sort of the middle or closer to your side of it. And so that's, you know, that, that's what I find right. is that, um, like, for example, um, like, uh, so if some, if I wanted to say that, uh, that, um, like America, like if I wanted to say that we should stop following the example of the United States, if I say that directly to somebody, then they're probably going to say, well, America's the greatest, blah, 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 freedom, George Washington's bud, and stuff like that. <laughs> he, like, chopped down a cherry tree with his dog and I, he's so American. You know, say something like that. But if I, if I say, you know, I, I went to, like, I went to La Texan the other day, and it was closed. I couldn't go there. And they'll be like, oh, you know, and then they, if they try to, to talk about it and defend it, I'll be like, yeah, but how come I couldn't go there? Like, it's a, it's a place for us. That's where our ancestors are. Like, how come I couldn't go there? And they'll be like, well, you know, the, the federal government. And I'm like, yeah, but why is the federal government keep shutting down? And then they'll be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, you know, Gov, Gov Guam was going through a lot of crazy stuff last year. It didn't shut down. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Isn't that weird? You would think that how we think, given the way we think about ourselves and how unable, how we think we're so unable to do anything right, we're so incapable that our government would be shutting down every week. But, but no, it's the federal government in the United States that has shut down three times over the past two years. And so, what's that? Well, we have one more question. Oh, we have one more question. Oh, wow, we got one all these questions. Question. Yes. So our one last question is from Josephine Ong. She says, was wondering how Nathan Phillips' advocacy for Standing Rock is connected to Chamorro activism. Okay. Uh, or, or let me just, or you, you say something and I'll end it. <laughs> okay, Maulekan, Senor And so, it is a, it, so, it is an important reminder that um, sort of indigenous people across the United States face similar things. There may be different ways, different legal mazes that we all are trapped in, but it's the same person who holds the keys. It's the same person who tends the maze and keeps us trapped, right? And so the more thinking about sort of a, if you think about like an action movie with a bunch of people trapped in a maze, if they split apart and go their separate ways, hey, maybe we should split up. That's when somebody dies. <laughs> if they stay together, odds are they're probably gonna, gonna kill something. They're probably gonna get out. I mean, if you think about the walls of a maze, right? If the walls are high, as high as Trump's wall on the border, <laughs> one person can't get to the top, but if you work together, you can push each other up and you can stand on top of the wall and you can see what's around you. And so it's an important reminder that sort of, 
that indigenous people across the United States, there's different ways that we get talked about. There's different ways that we get stripped of power and sovereignty, but we are all sort of challenging the same state. We're all challenging the same source of violence. Then, and I would just say that what I got out of this was to be brave, be bold. Because what he did was something not many people would do to go to people who are taunting, you know, who could be violent, you know, and to go and confront them and to not react with violence, but to react with, with, you know, with decency in the face of complete disrespect. And that's what I think that, that we should get out of this too, is that he's an indigenous person there in the United States and as Chamorros, we're indigenous here in the Marianas. And that's what we also need to do too. We need to be brave. We need to follow in his example. We need to go up and, you know, just, just confront the situation head on and be bold. And to everyone watching, thank you. If, if you've enjoyed today's discussion, remember that you can Make sure there's more discussions like this by signing up as a patron through Patreon. Support Fanatsu, um, Hugwa, Hatsa Hugwa, and Tulu sub level subscribers. And so, um, thank you so much for joining us today. And so, and I know you're a little bit nervous there. First time, and so, um, so yeah, and so remember also from the Ned Pablo at the beginning, there will be a demonstration on February 2nd, uh, 9 a.m. outside of uh, Nick Tams in the northern part of Guam. And there is a petition that is going around uh, about sort of the, the testing, uh, excuse me, the, the firing range that will that is planned there. The, and so we will be talking about that next week. And so, um, Sidus Masi Tatlun Todos Hamzu, Ajos, Esteki Otrosimana. Esta.